0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. All right, well, good morning, everyone. So good to be here with you today. It's always so great to be a part of the Milestone family. So many great things happening. For those of you who are part of the Freedom Weekend I hope you got free, I hope you feel good, I hope you feel lighter, and I hope you feel more confident to walk in all that God has for you. Last weekend, we had our student retreat, our fall retreat, and it was amazing. Um, We have also coming up, uh, we have new services and new service times. So starting December 3rd, we're launching our new uh, service, which is our 1230 service. And so if you're a young adult and you're looking for a place to connect to other young adults... That's the place to be, so come be a part of that 1230 service, and once a month we're going to have food trucks, and we're going to have, you know, kind of an after party afterwards where you can get to know other young adults in your life stage and get connected to a small group, and so um, a lot of great things happening. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 through 46. We're kicking off a brand new mini-series that we've entitled, Be Filled, all access to an unlimited source. And so we're going to talk about um, God created each and every one of us to be filled and how that affects our lives. And so before we get into the word uh, this morning, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless the word. Father, we come to you this morning. God, we ask that you would speak to us. We ask Holy Spirit that you would illuminate your word, that Father, it would Um, set in our hearts God and that Lord it would stir up faith I ask that you would give us eyes to see ears to hear help us to receive your word and be changed by it in Jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. and so God created us he created you and I to be filled it's just a matter of what are we going to fill our lives with most things in life are, are temporary and in fact, anything outside of Jesus himself is temporary. And so we have some good things that are temporary that we can fill ourselves with. But we have some things that can be destructive as well. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things that we can pursue. And maybe success is, is that. And maybe you're uh, in business and you want to be successful. Maybe you're starting something and you want to be, you know, uh, prosperous so that you can, you know, provide for other people and your family. Or, so that, that, that's not a bad thing to to. To pursue but um, if you try to just use that just to sustain you it it, it might it might leave you a little short something else that we try to fill our lives with is acceptance we're all at some level uh, worried about what other people think and we want people to like us and we want people to think well of us and so you know we pursue that at times Uh, uh, maybe hobbies I I just got uh, my wife got uh, me involved in in hiking just a couple years ago and I just got to tell you right off the bat like I didn't like it at first you know I mean it was just kind of like what are we doing you know I mean like how many times can you go around Eagle Mountain State Park and like I've seen the same tree a hundred times you know um but we started going on these trips and seeing new places and things that we've never seen before. And all of a sudden, now I'm all in, man. I mean, I'm just, my Instagram feed is just blown up with just places to go. and, and But even that, even, even after going just a few weeks ago to Olympic National Park and, and seeing some amazing things, you know, you get back and you're like, wow, I'm ready for the next trip, right? Because it's temporary. Even relationships. Relationships are a great thing. They're a God thing. But relationships... Um, they can't really fill us the way God's spirit and God's presence fills us. And so, you know, I I really, you know, wanted us to, to start off this morning because anytime you start a series and you're talking about being filled, you're talking about pursuing God, you're talking about, you know, I want to draw closer to God. Most of us all start in the same place. We start with ourselves. We start with what do I need to do? What do I need to change? I need to read the Bible more. I need to worship more. I mean, I need to do all this kind of stuff. And really, not that that's a bad place to start, but it's really not the ideal. It's not the best. It's not the most biblical place to start. The place to start is we have to understand that God Himself, God is a seeker. God is pursuing you and I. From the very beginning of the scriptures all the way to the end, God is a seeker. We see in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve hid themselves because of their sin the bible says that God walked in the cool of the day and he was asking where are you we see in the book of Ezekiel we see that God takes it upon himself to pursue Israel he said I myself will pursue them you get into the psalms and you begin to look at the language of what the psalmist is writing and it describes God's heart towards mankind And then Jesus enters the scene and Jesus declares, he says, I've come for one reason. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus is the shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And then we see Jesus gives an example of his father. He paints a picture of what God is like in in the story of the prodigal son. And really the story, we focus a lot on the son, the son gets his inheritance he demands it he goes off he squanders it kind of comes to his senses and he comes back and and that's a big part of the story but really the story is about the father not about the son it's about a loving father who the bible says while his son was a long ways off he felt compassion for his son he runs after his son he receives him just the way that he is and and god is a seeker God is pursuing us and in Matthew chapter 13 verses 45 through 46 Jesus gives us a word picture he says hey you want to know what my father's like you want to know what the kingdom of God is like he says it's like this the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value he went away he sold everything he had and he bought it Jesus said you want to know what God's like you want to know God's nature? God is like a merchant who has unlimited resources. And he's on a hunt for fine pearls. That pearls, Those pearls are you and I. And he says when he finds one of great value, he sells all that he has and he purchases that pearl. We know that God spared no expense. That God gave the best he had. He gave his son Jesus to pay the price so that you and I could have an intimate relationship with him. But I think when we talk about a subject like this, it, it, it stirs up a question you know that, that I've wrestled with in my own heart, and I think it's one of life's greatest mysteries, is how can an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-sufficient, all-present God? He doesn't need anything from anyone. He sits in heaven, he enjoys the splendor of heaven. He spoke, He created the cosmos. He's not amazed by the things that he created. He is there and he, ha- he needs nothing from no one or, or no thing, no created thing can give him or add to him because he's perfect the way he is. Yet we are the object of his affection. The Bible says that we are the apple of his eye, that he pursues us. And I, I think if you really try to wrestle with that, it's kind of hard to understand. He needs nothing from us, yet he wants us more than anything else. What does this communicate to us? Well, I think it communicates to us that we have value, that we have worth. I grew up not really thinking I had a whole lot of value, had a whole lot of worth. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're watching online and maybe you don't really think that you have a whole lot to offer. God says, I beg to differ. The Bible tells us in Romans that God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners far away from God, that Christ died for us how do you know if something has worth or value well it just depends on what someone is willing to pay for it right the more someone is willing to pay the more worth the more value and so God says there's a whole lot of worth in you there's a whole lot of value in you in fact God is seeking us still the Bible tells us that in the book revelation that God is coming back he's a reigning king coming back to pursue his bride so from the beginning to the end he's on a quest to capture our hearts once we understand this truth once we understand it's not about what I can do God's already moving in my direction he has moved and he's continuing to move in my direction Then through the help of the Holy Spirit and through God's word, now we can take a step forward towards God and we can begin to pursue God. And when you do it that way, you realize it's not about our effort. It's not about how much I do. It's about I I understand God is after me, so therefore I take a step towards God and he meets you right there. There are almost 3,000 biographical accounts in the Bible. Almost 3,000 different people that the Bible tells us about. People that we can look to. People for inspiration. And most of them are just names that you just probably pass over. There are a few of them where the Bible really describes who they are. But there's one person that stands out more than anyone else. There's one person that the Bible talks about, that writes about, more than anyone else other than God himself. And that's David. In fact, the Bible devotes 141 chapters to David's life we get great insight from David we know a lot about his habits we know a lot about his thoughts because he's just raw and unfiltered in the Psalms we know a lot about his struggles we know a lot about kind of his the things that he pursued in life and when you study them you you understand real quick that the Bible describes David Not only um, was he a man after God's own heart whom God personally described him as that. Just think about if that was our lives. God said, that man, that woman, they're a person after my own heart. They'll do all that I ask them to do. That was God's definition of David. You ask God, hey, tell me about David. He's a man after my own heart. Is he perfect, God? Oh, no, he's far from perfect. But he pursues me. He gets it. He understands. He's going to do everything I ask him to do. But David struggled with intense loneliness throughout his life. It was almost as if loneliness was a constant companion to David. In his early years, we know that David, his responsibility, his contribution to the family was he was a shepherd of his father's sheep. Which meant that David spent a lot of time out in the wilderness by himself. It meant that David, he he was out far away from his family, worked long hours. He didn't really have a whole lot of people to talk to, no one to share his thoughts with, no one to process with. It was no one to joke around with other than the sheep that were around him. And so David was in a lonely place. In fact, in his family's most important moment, the Bible says that the prophet Samuel, who was a rock star in that day, it's kind of like Samuel was the was who, who, who's of who of, of, of you know prophets and Christian people in the day. And so Samuel shows up in Bethlehem, a very small town. It's a big deal to the the town of Bethlehem, but it's a real big deal to the household of Jesse. The Bible says that David wasn't even invited to the event. It was only after Samuel said, I know God sent me here for a reason. Is there anyone else? Well, there's David, He's, he's the youngest, but he's out there. He says, go get him, I'm gonna wait until he gets here. And we know the rest of the story. In David's middle years, David goes and he serves King Saul. And there's this giant named Goliath and David, he takes him out. People begin to sing these songs. Saul is slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. And and Saul gets extremely jealous of this young man named David. And for the next or so 10 years of David's life, David is literally, he's a fugitive. He's on the run. He's dodging these bandits that are chasing him down and King Saul himself is after him. And the Bible says that he was often in the desert. He was often in the wilderness and he spent a lot of time in the depths of these dark caves. Those were lonely places and lonely times for David. Then in his latter years we see that David, he has to deal with the consequences of his sin. He commits adultery with a woman named Bathsheba and he has Her husband murdered and so he's dealing with the shame of that and the consequences of that. And to make matters worse, one of his own sons that he loves with all his heart named Absalom gets jealous of his father and he says, dad, I'm taking your kingdom. And David gets word that Absalom has rallied uh, a bunch of men to come after him. And instead of fighting his own son, he loved him so much. Instead of fighting his son and risking maybe killing his own son, He runs in the middle of the night and now he's a fugitive once again. David knew what it was like to be by himself and to experience loneliness. But something about David's early years when he was a shepherd boy. Those disciplines, those habits that David developed sustained him his entire life. Really, David built a secret history with God. David spent time with God. No one to process with, but he had God. No one to really share his thoughts with, but he would play his harp and he would begin to worship God. And We see in the Bible, we see that D- David had a tenacious hunger and a tenacious appetite for God's presence. In fact, let's read Psalms 63 verses 1 through 5. The Bible says this, it says, David puts pen to paper and he begins to write and he says, God, you are my God. Earnestly I search for you. My soul, it thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary. I have gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. For I will praise you as long as I lived. I will lift up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. And I will praise you with songs of joy. Theologians believe that this Psalm right here that we just read is actually a Psalm that he wrote while his son Absalom was pursuing him. Notice how David says, he says, you satisfy me in a dry and weary land. David found himself once again in the desert, in the wilderness. There's not an abundance of food. There's not an abundance of water. He's hungry, he's thirsty, he's lonely and he doesn't turn to his flesh, he turns to God and he says, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. David, more than anyone else at the time, he would have been the one who would have known what a great feast was like. He was the king and he had all these resources available to him and he says, God, I'm hungry physically right now and I remember the feast in my palace. He says, but your presence satisfies me more than the greatest feast I could ever eat. See, David knew, he knew that he was created to be filled, but he knew what really could sustain him and that was God's presence in his word. I wanna give us this morning, the next few minutes we have, I wanna give us three truths that I believe are really important and they really shaped my life personally. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 19 years old, I'm 41, and just turned 41. Hashtag 41 is the new 21. Anyway, just get out, out of the way. But when I was 19 years old, Jesus came in my, uh, in, into my life when I was in a very dark, desperate situation. And I realized in that moment that God was pursuing me. That God is a seeker. It wasn't about me taking a step towards God Wasn't about me stop doing this and start, you know, pursuing other habits, change my lifestyle, come to God, get clean, start going to church. No, God was actively pursuing me. in my darkest hour, he shows up and I realize God is not distant. He's close. He's close to each and every one of us. And I began to pursue God. I began to seek him. And God had, through a series of circumstances, after I gave my life to Jesus, I surrendered it all. I counted the cost. I said, if I'm doing this, I'm going all in. I'm not putting one foot in, one foot out. If I'm gonna go after God, he's worthy. Either I'm gonna make a decision, that I'm gonna serve you with everything I have or I'm not doing it at all. He's, he's worth more than that. And even as a sinner, I recognize that. So I said, I'm going all in, but I, God put me in a situation where he separated me from my environment. I, I moved states, didn't have any friends, didn't really have, you know, a lot of things kind of pulling at my attention. I was in a very lonely place. But I developed a secret life with God. And I begin to spend time with God. I begin to get in the word of God. And Lord, you got to speak to me. Jesus, I need to know who you are. I don't even know who I am. And, and I begin to pursue God. And that's the same thing David was doing. I know truth number one, that your hunger level is an indicator of your spiritual health. Your hunger level is an indicator of your spiritual health. First Peter chapter two, verses two through three says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, when you get into your vehicle, when you get into your car, you have instrument panels, you have these gauges. One tells you, you know, how much gas you have. Another one tells you your oil pressure. Another one will tell you, you know, the temperature of your engine. So we have these indicators that let us know if our engines are are doing good or not, you know. Do I need to take it in? Is everything okay? Well, spiritually, God has given us certain gauges that we can kind of look at and go, am I doing okay spiritually? Is my soul all right? Or do I need to go to Freedom Weekend? Do I need to get with someone and and maybe, you know, confess some things and pray? And, And hunger is a key indicator, if you're healthy spiritually or not. I, I, I worked, I've worked with students for 18 years, almost 20 years, and, and I'm, just, I'm just like perplexed. I'm like, okay, so you gave your life to Jesus, you're a believer, you're a Christian, yeah, absolutely, man, I love God, I love God, okay. Do you ever spend time with them? Nah, you know, um, you know, well, how come when you come to church you just check out, ah, you know, man, I heard that before, whatever, you know. I'm like, I don't understand. Like if you're, if you're passionate about Jesus, if he's real in your life you should be hungry i'm not saying we don't go through moments and seasons where you know maybe our appetite's a little greater than others but the point is you know doctors will tell you if you get on a weight program if you want to you know tone up if you want to build up whatever you want to do your 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 hunger level is 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 really important because if you don't eat guess what you're not gonna, you know, your, your metabolism is not gonna get kick-started. You're not gonna be able to supply the protein to your muscles, you need to eat. And if you're not hungry, the thing you need to do the most is you need to eat. And you need to eat frequently. And when you eat hunger, you know, it, 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 you, know you sustain that hunger, but it also produces more hunger. It's the same way in our walk with God. When I begin to take of God's word, when I begin to get in God's presence, and I begin to feast on God's word, it makes me hungrier. I can't wait to get with God again. I spend time with God and God speaks a word or I'm just in his presence. It's not even just about God saying anything. It's about just being in his presence. You'll be amazed how being in God's presence will change your whole attitude, will change your outlook on life. You'll be able to face situations with confidence. That you, you walk with, with, with just a different outlook, a different perspective. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives where, lives inside of us. It's not far, He's close. If that power is there, then the word of God is our source to continue to feed us, and I can handle situations differently when I allow God to fill my life and to fill my soul. It makes you a better husband. It makes you a better father. Makes you a better business person. Makes you a better, you know, just in life in general. When you spend time with Jesus, life is a whole lot better. You can face things with more confidence. But you know what? We sabotage our appetite a lot. We sabotage it. And, you know, one of the ways that we do that is busyness. We live in a world today where, like, there's so many things pulling on, you know, our attention. And it's like, man, you know, it's like sometimes parents, you feel like you're a taxi cab. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you got to take this kid here and here. And they, they want to do everything. They want to do every single activity their friends are doing. You know and I mean, like, it's like they're so afraid to miss out. And we're pressured to give in to our kids because we want them to have a, you know, good experience growing up or whatever. How about the word no? That was used a whole lot when I was growing up. We, we, you, you've, you've done... Three different things this week. No, it's enough. But it's like this pressure that's just put on us. And it's busy. You know, we're a busy day, a busy week, busy season. It's been a busy decade. It's not going anywhere. Busyness will rob you of your ability to slow down. Your ability to stop. And the Bible says, peace be still and know that I am God. Right? Another thing that stops us or sabotages our appetite is We don't keep our emotions in check. Man, when our emotions are right, you know, emotions are good. We feel good, right? Man, we we press into the things of God. But a lot of times when we feel bad, we just kind of check out. That's when we need God the most. That's when we got to go to his word the most. God gave us our emotions so that we could experience life. We're not robots. I mean, thank God that we have emotions. But they weren't meant to run our lives. They were meant so that we could experience life. I think another reason we sabotage or a way we sabotage our appetite is we don't understand, this is a big one, we don't understand the difference between godly hunger and our sinful appetites. There's a big difference because you're hungry and you're going to feed yourself something. And sometimes, you know, you're there and you're like, I don't know, man, I just don't know what's wrong. You got to stop and you go, is this my soul, my spirit crying out to be in God's presence? Or is this my flesh just saying, I want this and I want that? You're going to take part of something to feed yourself. You just got to understand you were created to be filled, but you have a choice as to what you're going to put before your eyes, what you're going to listen to, what you're going to take in. And so we have to understand that our hunger level is important. And if there's an absence of hunger in your life, then you might need to open up the hood of your heart and go, God, what's what's going on in here? Is there something I need to confess? Is there something I need to do? Or do I just need to simply press back in to who you are? The second truth that I want to give us this morning is this. When you snack on the scraps, you miss out on the feast. When you snack on the scraps of life, you miss out on the feast that Jesus has set before us. I love Isaiah 55 too. It says, why spend money on what is not bread? Your labor on what is not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. You know, I was growing up, we had to do chores for free. I mean, my kids, you know, their friends get, you know, a little allowance money and stuff. And I, I got pressured in, parents. And, 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 but after about two weeks, I'm like, something ain't right about this. I, I just, y'all are conning me. This is not good. That, that, that's your grass. You cut your grass. You, you pick up your room. But, you know, back in the day, you know, I had different chores I had to do. And, and, and one chore I really liked, and that was vacuuming it was easy man just I could be cool and vacuum watch some tv some scoop man just scooby-doo whatever you know just vacuum it. that was the one everyone wanted to do then there was another one I had to fold clothes and I'm like you know I got put on towel duty and I liked it I could fold a towel four different ways and the thing about folding towels which is cool you don't have to do a lot of work and you build up a big pile and you feel like man I've done a lot look at this man see all these towels what'd y'all do y'all didn't do anything then I'd have to, you know, the dishwasher, load and unload. Well, I'm more of an unload guy. I ain't gonna lie. I don't like touching dirty dishes, especially if it's got mayonnaise on it. That stuff's devil juice. I don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> if you go to eat with me, you'll know it's true. I asked in every sauce and everything, does that have mayonnaise in it? No, nah, it doesn't. I said, you need to go back and check. I was at Piatta's last night and I said, is there mayonnaise in that? And he said, I don't know. I so said, you need to check. He said, I'm going to go to uh, the the ingredient book and look. And he opened the ingredient book and looked. He goes, "Now you're good. I said, okay, all clear. Give me the sauce. But the, the chore that I hated the most was I had to empty the slot bucket. Now, I was in Oklahoma City Friday night preaching to a bunch of students on my birthday. And, you know, I was talking about chores, talking about slot bucket. They just looked at me. I said, okay, time out. We got a problem. There's a disconnect here. Let me bring you up to speed. Back in my day, we had to walk to school both ways uphill in the snow. <laughs> Not really, wasn't my generation, but I said, we didn't have these things called garbage disposals. So we had a slop bucket and we only had three flavors of ice cream, strawberry, vanilla, chocolate, known as Neapolitan. Okay, so you get a gallon jug or whatever of Neapolitan and uh, once that was all wiped out, you would use it as your scrap bucket. And so you're sitting there with your family and, enjoying the meal and afterwards you know maybe you had to get the plates together and you just kind of scrape off you know the leftovers right just scraps and you just finished eating it so you weren't grossed out by it It was great you know and so but that would go into uh, the refrigerator and after about meal four meal five and sitting there after 24 hours every day I mean that stuff started marinating it a bad concoction it would be real bad but it was my job to take it and go throw it over the fence and I remember this one time I was probably about 10 11 years old it was like in the middle of the winter and I had you know shorts on and a shirt and no socks and shoes and so I had to pull that lid off and I had this you know big old kitchen metal spoon because I mean it would just congeal and you had I know it's gross but it was just bad I'm just kind of bringing you into my world y'all pray for I need to go to freedom weekend to get over this I remember I'm running out there it's cold and I slip and that slot bucket just comes on me You might have thought some demons were coming out of me because I was rolling around everywhere, freaking out. Just, I think I'm still freaked out today. What happens in life is the world is giving us left and right these scraps, these alternatives to what God really has for us, which is his feast, his presence, his word. And as long as you partake of the scraps of the world, You're going to not feel hungry. You're going to have a false sense of security. And when the feast is there, you're going to miss out. Can you imagine going to, you know, your Thanksgiving gathering this week? And I mean, you know, all the ladies have worked so hard and everyone is bringing their, their recipe, man. And you know, those cookies that are sitting there and you know, the pies and you know, for me, it's bread pudding. You know, it's just amazing. I love it. Can't get enough. So, you know, all these, everybody's bringing different things. Then there's a turkey and there's the dressing, there's the main course or whatever. And so you get there and everybody's kind of hanging out, but I don't know why we do this. We're waiting, but we set like an appetizer area. And the cookies happen to be around there, and, and we just sit there and snack and snack and snack, and all of a sudden when it's time for the feast, we're not really hungry. We don't really take part of what, you know, is there, what somebody worked hard for. And this week I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that when you go to eat that chips and dip and then those cookies and all that stuff, you snack on the scraps, you miss out on the feast. God wants us to be filled. Which is with its best. Truth number three. If you create space, God will fill it. If you create margin, if you create space in your life, God promises us that he will fill it. It's not like, well, if I do this and, you know, if somehow God sees me as a certain type of person, then God will speak to me. No, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5. He says... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, it's important that you and I create margin. It's important that you and I slow down. It's important that we create, listen, it's not about how much time you spend. Hopefully, the more you do it, you'll have a hunger and a desire. Spend longer. I, mean, I remember the first time, you know, I said I'm going to pray ten minutes. I mean, after you thank God for your meal and your food and you, you know, whatever, it's like, well, what am I supposed to pray about? What am I supposed to talk about? But all of a sudden, as I grew in my walk with God, and I just kept, all of a sudden, hours would fly by, and it was just like I could spend time with God, not just in one little place, but throughout my day, having a God consciousness that God would speak to me at any moment. But we have to stop. We have to be still. And we have to create space. And what happens when you do that? There's fuel that comes to your life. There's a power that comes to your life. Now that you can face whatever situation you're facing that day, that week, that month, that year, that you can go with a whole new different reality. Knowing that God is with you. Knowing that God is for you and not against you. It doesn't mean that your circumstances are going to change, but your outlook, your ability to be able to weather the storm all depends upon your space and time that you give God to fill. I wanna pray for us this morning and I wanna ask God that he would speak to us and let this word marinate in our hearts that we would understand that our hunger, our hunger lover is really important. That God would help us to be hungry for his presence. That we would understand that if I'm snacking on all, this, all these things, It's not that they're necessarily bad, but I I certainly don't wanna miss out on God's best for me, my life, his presence, his word. And then finally, is that if I can create space in my life, God promises in his word that he'll fill it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would, Lord, create inside of each and every one of us, God, hungry hearts, that Father, you created us to be filled. You created us to hunger and to thirst. It's our choice of what we're going to meet that need with. Lord, we ask that you would help us. The Bible says like newborn babies to crave spiritual milk. God, you would help us to have a hunger and desire. Lord, I pray for those to, today, Lord, that maybe at one time they had just a great hunger and a desire for your presence and your word. Maybe they're just find themselves this morning God it's like my hunger level that gauge is not where it needs to be God I pray Holy Spirit that you would increase their hunger God I pray that you would help us to understand that if we're too busy to stop and be still then we're just too busy it's good to say no to some things sometimes in order to say yes to what's really important because God nothing else nothing else can sustain us like your presence Everything else is limited. But God, you are an unlimited source. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a hand this morning for his word. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.